Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Bigamy, identity theft, fraud. For the last 20 years, Richard Scott Smith used the internet and his dubious charms to prey upon unsuspecting women in search of love, conning them out of their money and their dignity. But now the victims have banded together, determined to seek sweet revenge. The film, the documentary series, is called Love Fraud. It's a four-part documentary series premiering on Showtime on August 30th. You want to check this out. We're joined today by Oscar-nominated directors Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. To both of you, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Having interviewed you a couple of times before and my enduring love for uh, documentary filmmakers, I know that almost every project is a leap of faith, but this one seems particularly fraught with with uh, issues that could uh, come back and not turn out as successfully as this film did. I'm, so I'm just a long way of asking you, what inspired you to move forward on this particular documentary? Heidi, I'll start with you. I mean, a leap of faith. This was like base jumping, you know, off of, I don't know, Yosemite. This was like, we really had to take everything we've ever learned about documentary filmmaking um, and our, you know, the belief in our subjects and ourselves. We had to bring it all to bear on love fraud because there were so many unknowns. We were taking on a story about a con artist that we had never met, that we couldn't find, that was sort of on the lam. So we had to really bring all of our all of our years of experience to bear on this series uh, because we did not know the outcome. So it was a leap of faith for us to take it on because we didn't know if we would be able to have a satisfying ending, if we would be able to find this con man, to bring him to justice. And of course, Showtime had to take a leap of faith because we couldn't guarantee them, you know, how it was going to go down. And we just all knew there was something really special there, that um, this was a story that hadn't been told. It was a story about a sisterhood of women who band together against a bad guy. Uh, The criminal justice system won't help them. So they take it upon themselves to go out and see if they can prevent this man from hurting others. And that, that was all very appealing to us. Plus, there were so many wild and wooly characters that you would just stranger than fiction that kept popping up um, at every pass. And for us, that was a real, real pleasure. And we just couldn't resist, so we went ahead and did it. Rachel Grady, where did you come into the story? Where, where, was, it, where was your access point into it? Uh, how, you know, how many women had been burned by him at this point? Where, where were you in that sort of uh, chain of events in coming into this? When we jumped into the story, there had been a blog about this guy that had been set up by some of his victims to warn other women if they happened to be um, come across this guy or were being conned by him at that very moment. And the blog had been around for a couple of years. And we found the blog and we reached out to all of the women or, you know, the ones we could find and wanted to meet them. They agreed to be interviewed. And after just the first couple of interviews with them, we knew that there was definitely something to this because he was at large. He was a fugitive. He was, had skipped out on probation for some crimes he had been convicted of. Then we were introduced to the bounty hunter, Carla, 
who had been helping the women and she was just ready for her close up. They were game to let us tag along. So that's when we started. Well, let, let, this is a good spot to go back and kind of recap what I said in the introduction. Richard Scott Smith or Scott or Mickey or I don't know what else. He probably had other aliases we don't even know about. I don't want to give anything away in our interview. I really okay. don't. I re but other than to sort of lay out what I did at the beginning of it, because there's so many, every, it's four parts. So at the end of every episode, you really can't wait to watch this, the next episode and all this. So I will leave it to you, Rachel, in your sort of uh, most diplomatic way of laying out his story and what we should know about Richard Scott Smith. How's that? Sure. <laughs> I would say the, the bullet points on Richard Scott Smith is he's been married 11 times that we know of, that he started getting married to people when he was in his early 20s, that he had, had, was, was convicted of identity theft and um, some domestic violence. Yeah. He um, had never, ever spent a day in jail for any of these crimes. And in fact, no one was looking for him except for the women. And then once we discovered them, us, we also started searching for him. Yeah. So we followed him essentially for over a year and he slipped through our fingers many times. We were like one step behind him for a long time. Yeah. And when we would get to the crime scene, as it were, there would be all kinds of people that he had blown through and destroyed and humiliated. And then at that point, they would join our revenge squad. <laughs> and that, kind of, that went on for about a year. Okay. Well, Heidi, from the film, it looks like he almost had a sixth sense of when the, the walls were starting to close in around him. Do you, is that, what do you attribute that to? I think he's very experienced at getting away and getting away with it. I think he's very good at reading people. There you go. I think he, he knows when the, the ax is coming down on him and he knows when to get the hell out of town with as much as he can. I think it's years and years of experience. I think he's an expert at fleeing uh, and of sort of just going right up to the line and then going up in smoke when, when uh, people are on to him. I think that's so important what you said about him being able to read people because I think in the course of this four-part series, I think it's not a stretch to say he's a sociopath. That's and not a stretch. I think we've diagnosed, we definitely have diagnosed him as a sociopath in our armchair psychological way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes, yes. And so, and I, I'm not an expert on sociopathology, but it does seem to me that they're really good at reading people, at least the more malignant kinds of sociopath, good at reading people, figuring out a situation and how to exploit it. Is he that, knows how to read people. He knows what people want to hear. He finds out what's most most important to a woman, and then he sort of gloms onto it. If if you know if they're really religious, he wants to go to church with them. If they're all about their kids' education, he promises he's going to pay for a college education. Uh, if 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 a woman likes to go out to eat, he'll tri triple down on that and take them out and wine and dine them. He literally almost has no identity. He almost has no personality. He is able. He's a total and complete chameleon. He yeah. literally becomes, you know, whatever is in the mind's eye of the woman he's dating, he endeavors to become that person. And so it, it was very chilling to hear from the women, like how persuasive he was 
that they, they, he persuaded them that he shared their interests, he shared their values, he shared their ethics and morals uh, and future plans. Yeah. And he did it very easily. He would just glide in and out. Sometimes he was dating many of the same women at the same time and was able to somehow, you know, appease and please each and every one of them for a short period of time. That takes some kind of skill or mental illness, I guess. Right. Well, and I, they make the point in the film, uh, and I want to make the point here in our interview, and that is these women were decent. They were, they were just looking for someone for, to be with, a companion, someone who would share their interests. So I just want to underscore just this is not some, you know, something about the women involved here. They, they were just doing what anyone would want, which is to find someone that they can relate to and have a, have a decent relationship with, right? That is one of the things that struck us immediately, which is how relatable they were. Yeah. And they weren't looking for anything that was unusual in any way. They were looking for companionship and love. And every single person in the entire world is also looking for those things. Right. They didn't do anything wrong. Right. He was the one doing something wrong. He has like a lizard brain at figuring out what someone's vulnerability is and how to manipulate and use it. Quite frankly, he's not sophisticated in any way. He's not. He's not a sophisticated guy. He's, he's no genius. But he is good at hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. We're talking about a four-part documentary series, limited series that will be on uh, Showtime coming up starting on August 30th. So be looking for it. It's called Love Fraud. We get into a little bit about him. One of the things I liked about the documentary, one of the many things I liked about the documentary series is that we get to know a little bit about his background. And uh, while I think it it lends context. It doesn't excuse what he did or what he's continuing, maybe continuing to do. I'm glad you included that because he comes from what it sounds like a pretty troubled background. Do you want either one of you, Heidi or Rachel, you want to talk well, about that? What, what would the actual question be? Well, I, I mean, in this context, do you want to talk about his, his childhood, the sort of sounds like sure. psychological okay. abuse that he experienced? Or It was ahead. very hard to, to it was hard to, to find out the truth about his backstory because he had told a lot of stories to the various women he had dated and married. And it was very hard to corroborate those stories. Uh, but we did, we were able to find his aunts um, and they were, were very, very helpful in sort of helping piece together his past. You know, it didn't seem like he can't, he didn't come from a very, very happy childhood. There may or may not have been various levels of abuse. We were never able to totally zero in on how much abuse had actually taken place. We were also curious about the, putting those pieces together, but we never felt like we came up with an actually very, very satisfying answer or like aha moment to why this man does what he does. To be com completely frank with you, we tried very, very hard to find that one event or a series of events that you know brought him to be this incredible liar and um, sort of abuser. And the truth is, his background didn't vary that much from many other people that we've met and that we know um, that don't commit these crimes. He didn't have an extreme background. You know, there was divorce. There, there wasn't um, a very, very obvious 
encounter that you can you can trace from that to what he does today. And at some point we had to be satisfied with that and we had to just keep exploring and sharing with the audience what we were finding and maybe that they, they, they'll determine for themselves what they think that one thing is. I think it's more, it's almost more chilling that there isn't an event and that there isn't like that someone can become this way you know, without some kind of extreme event in their, in their past, uh, you know, is he a bad seed? Uh, is it mental illness? Is he a sadist? You know, is he just a user? Uh, we can't really put our finger on it. And we, we decided to allow the audience to sort of like take it all in and kind of make their own judgment without going too far into the armchair psychology, you know, realm of filmmaking. Right. You do interview him later on in, in the film series. Uh, I was, shocked at how unsophisticated you had mentioned you alluded to it earlier how just completely the his one gift in this interview seemed to be that he could be completely blithe about lying right to your face and then when you started talking about all the women he had been married to and how and how he was able to completely repeat things over and over and over in in a way of just sort of mind washing brainwashing sorry mind washing does he remind you of someone that we have yes to- yes he does i was gonna go there that's one of the reasons i wanted to ask you about it yes exactly a simple a simple man with an ability to sort of completely be at ease with lying completely. it's trending it's trending isn't it <laughs> it's trending if you're never punished if you're never caught if there's no consequence a man like that will keep doing it. There is no moral core. There's no ethical core. And some people don't have it. No, And we can call it mental illness and we can look for a troubled past and we can look for abuse, but some people advance in life just because they can get away with doing, doing the easy shortcut. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people in their wake. Just last thing I want to talk about um, it, of the films of your films that I've seen. I've never seen Rachel uh, and you both to be a part of that, a part of the film process. And we see that Rachel, I, I, I heard uh, read somewhere where you were, you have a background in private investigation. Is that is a private investigator? Um, well, when I graduated from college, yeah. I worked at a detective agency, but my bigger connection to it is that my mom, had her own detective agency for 20 years. So what, what a great skill set to have as a documentary filmmaker. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. They're very, they're, they're sisters. They're, they're sister, they're sister skills. And they served you well in this because we hear you taking calls from the different women, sort of coordinating what's going on. And right. it's great. I think it's a great yeah. part of the film. <laughs> I mean, it was something that we, that Heidi and I both really enjoyed about yeah. it was the, um, it was like Keystone Cops, <laughs> Eats, you know, uh, a wicked sociopath um, meets crabs. <laughs> we never had um, put ourselves in our films or even left our questions in, but it became apparent in, in like halfway through the edit that it was part of the process. It was, part, it was it, we needed to let the audience in on on those conversations yeah, yeah. and be just transparent about our involvement. And so we decided to let it rip and we'd recorded all of our conversations and our editor and Showtime and everybody else was like, just relax, let your, you know, we, we'd like to hear what you guys are talking about on the phone. And so we, we, we let, you know, we let that rule slide for this one series. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did do it again, but yeah, it was I'm glad you did for us. 
Well, the last thing, Carla, we got to talk about Carla because she's, she is the uh, accelerant in this documentary film. I w- if you were going to throw a bomb, she'd be the <laughs> accelerant. And uh, so talk to just, uh, Heidi, Heidi, would you like to talk about Carla and how important she was to making this film? I mean, Carla Campbell was clutch to making the series. I don't know that we would have pursued it with such vigor if we didn't have her because she was, you have to have an accelerant, as you say, in a film that's a person that's so watchable and so accessible and some kind of, there's a strange alchemy between a filmmaker and a, a subject. And, and every now and then it's just, it's electric. And you walk into a room and you know that you can't take your eyes off her. You yeah. can't take your eyes off Carla Campbell, the only lady bounty hunter in Johnson County, Kansas. And, um, you know, we knew it in Jesus camp and every, every few years you meet a subject that just, you know, is going to just take off. Um, and so we knew it right away. We knew it in the first few minutes of meeting her that she had to be in the series and we had to make the series. Um, she's one of a kind. She's Calamity Jane. She's Annie Oakley. Uh, she's a cop. She's a, you know, she's a robber. I mean, she's, she really, um, is like a frontier lady in 2020 and she doesn't take no guff and she, she's so refreshing uh, in so many ways. So yes, we're, uh, like, she's very much a centerpiece of, of this series. And I cannot wait to hear what audiences have to say about Carla Campbell. Well, and one, one other thing about her is that she's the reason, she's really the driving force to bringing justice to Richard Scott Smith. He, she's the one, in my estimation, who, who makes sure that justice is in some degree served by what's been happening to these women. Right. She's the quarterback of the revenge squad. <laughs> Hell hath no fury. Oh, yes. And a bounty hunter in Kansas City. <laughs> well, with that, I want to thank both of you so much for coming back on the show. The film, again, is called Love, Fraud, and we've been talking with Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. Thank you so very much. Come back anytime. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having us. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.